Good morning, everybody. It's good to be here as we continue to celebrate Christmas and prepare ourselves for the new year. And it's good to have families together this weekend. So kids, we're glad that you are here as well. You know, one day after church, I was talking with some young parents in the lobby of the church, and I felt something on my pants. I felt somebody kind of tugging on my pants. And I looked down, there was a little girl who evidently had mistaken me for her daddy, who was just grabbing onto my pants leg. You know, now I'm a dad, my kids are all grown up now, I have grandchildren, but it was kind of funny to look down at her and realize she had grabbed on to somebody she thought was her daddy, and when she looked up and saw who I was, he was horrified <laughs> that she had grabbed onto the wrong father, you know. And I laughed about that, and then it made me think, all of us have done the same thing. We all sometimes reach up and grab onto the wrong thing. Instead of grabbing onto our heavenly father, we just grab onto anything that's around there that kind of resembles that. And I want to tell you, as we prepare to close out 2018 and enter into the new year of 2019, we need to make sure we're looking high enough, reaching high enough, and grabbing onto the right father. Our heavenly father is going to lead us forward into the new year. So to prepare for that, I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to two passages, one in the Old Testament from the book of Joshua, starting with Joshua chapter 2, and then a couple of verses from the first chapter of the New Testament from the book of Matthew chapter 1. I want to talk to you about a family tree. Now, maybe you kids have had to do a family tree in school where your teacher made you go back and find out about all your relatives. All of us have a family tree, even if we have some bad apples, on the limbs. When I was a kid, I was interested in my family tree, so I asked my parents, are we related to anybody famous? And they said, well, somehow, way back, we're connected to William Penn, which I thought was very cool since his face is on the Quaker oatmeal box. You know, and then I said to my grandma, are we related to anybody important? And she said, well... My maiden name, she said, was Patton. And she said, so I'm related to General George Patton. And I said, wow, who's that? And Grandma didn't like that answer very much because she was very proud to be related to General George Patton. But when I found out that his, she said to me, Dave, you've never heard of Blood and Guts Patton? I said, his name, his nickname was Blood and Guts? She said, yes. I said, now I like him, you know. And so I was related evidently somehow to this famous general. Well, then I found out that my last name, Faust, in German means fist. And I realized in my family tree, we probably had some barroom brawlers and maybe some horse thieves. So you may not be real proud of your family tree, but you know what's interesting? If you do a DNA search on Jesus, you might be surprised to see some of the names on his family tree. In Matthew chapter 1, it includes Jesus' genealogy, and that includes people like Jacob, who conned his brother out of his birthright, and Solomon, who messed up big time later in his life. Ahaz and Manasseh were wicked kings, but they're part of Jesus' family tree. Bathsheba had an affair with King David, but all of these messy stories are all right there front and center at the very beginning of the New Testament. Jesus' family tree even includes a woman named Rahab, whose story we're going to look at briefly this morning. And Rahab was an unlikely Bible hero. She had a very bad reputation. Her name, Rahab, sounds like rehab to me, and her story reads like a movie script. I mean, you kids are going to find this interesting. There are spies and cover-ups and a daring escape. 
Rahab lived in a famous city called Jericho. Now, geographically, if you Google what is the lowest city on earth, the name Jericho will still to this day come up in a Google search because Jericho is very, very low. It's right down next to the Dead Sea. I was in Israel just a couple months ago, and I went from Jerusalem down it's literally down to Jericho. And as we're driving on the road down to Jericho, we passed a sign that said sea level and we kept going down. It's 846 feet below sea level. So geographically, <clears throat> it's a low place, but in those days, morally, it was a low place too. It was a place where people did lots of bad things, including Rahab, who did bad things. Now Jericho had a large stone wall around it which made it difficult to attack. So Joshua, the Israelites' general, sent two spies to check things out. And at the beginning of Joshua chapter 2, that's where we pick up the story. It says that these two spies went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. And when the king of Jericho heard about the spies, he sent some investigators to Rahab's house. But instead of giving up the spies, she protected the spies. It says in Joshua 2 verse 6, she had taken them up onto the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that she had laid out on the roof. Now, if you're not familiar with flax, flax grows in long stalks. And farmers would take these long stalks and dry them either in the field or as Rahab did, they would lay them out on the roof of their house so that the stalks would dry and then they would take the fibers from the flax stalks and use it to make linen cloth. Flax is still used to make linen to this day. So picture this, these two spies are hiding on the roof of Rahab's house and she's got flax stalks spread out up there and they're hiding underneath this as the king's investigators are searching in every nook and cranny, every closet, every room of the house and they walk up under the roof and you can picture these two guys huddling under the stalks of flax, trying not to even breathe or make a sound so they will not be discovered. And the investigators just look around, they don't see any sign of them, so eventually they escape. Now why would Rahab, who's not a Hebrew, not a Jewish person, not an Israeli, why would she risk her life to protect two Hebrew spies? Because somehow faith in the true God was stirring in her heart. She told the spies, I know that the Lord has given you this land. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now that is an amazing confession of faith coming from somebody who was not an Israelite. Yet Rahab believed in the true God of Israel. So she made a deal with the spies. Because she had saved their lives, they agreed that when the Israelites attacked Jericho later, she would tie a scarlet cord in the window to mark her house. And everyone in her house then would be spared. So she helped the two spies escape that night under cover of darkness. The Bible says, so she let them down by a rope through the window for the house that she lived in was part of the city wall. And then later when the Israelites attacked Jericho, the scarlet colored cord in the window was a sign that Rahab's house would be spared. Verse 21 says, so she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now you may have heard the rest of the story. You kids have probably heard this. 
God's army marched around Jericho, the wall collapsed, and the Israelites went in and captured the city. But when the soldiers saw the scarlet-colored cord hanging in Rahab's window, they didn't kill her family. Joshua 6.25 says, But Joshua spared Rahab, her family, and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And I like this. It says, And she lives among the Israelites to this day. So at the time that the book of Joshua was written, Rahab and her family were still around. Now, this woman is mentioned in the Old Testament in this story we just talked about. She's also mentioned three times in the New Testament. And the main thing that the New Testament highlights is Rahab's faith. She is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, along with heroes of faith like Noah and Abraham and Moses. And in Matthew chapter 1, this woman Rahab who had a messy life, she is listed as one of Jesus' ancestors. The genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 says, Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Ruth is another famous Bible character in the Old Testament. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. This means that this woman with a messy life, her name was Rahab, Her story did not just make it into the Bible. She ended up being the great-great-grandma of King David. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, some of Rahab's blood flowed in his veins. Now, what does this story have to do with us? It actually raises some questions for us as we prepare to enter a new year this coming week. Here's the first question. Will you invite the Lord into your mess? Now, I'm just assuming your life is messy. People in the Bible, their lives were messy. These were not fairy tale characters. They are real flesh and blood people with messy lives, and our lives are messy too. Our families are messy. Even our church is messy. Somebody said that's why we need a Messiah, because we're such a mess. God specializes in rehabilitating and restoring broken people. We all need what I call the Rahab Rehab. The Bible talks about sin by saying that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And listen, when it comes to sin, let me point out a couple things. Number one, we're not too bad to be forgiven, and we're not too good to need to be forgiven. We're not too bad. We tend to put ourselves in one of those two categories. We tend to say, man, I've done so many things. I'm so messed up that God could never forgive me. No, that's not true. Or we tend to think, you know what, I'm not so bad. I haven't sinned as much as that other person around, so I don't need God. No, both of those are false because the fact is you're not too bad to be forgiven and you're not too good to need forgiven. Jesus was kind to people, especially when they understood and recognized their need for forgiveness and grace. Fact is, what we want to hide, the Lord wants to heal. What we want to hide The Lord wants to heal. We all have stuff in our lives that's embarrassing and uncomfortable, and none of it surprises God. Truth is, as a year ends, it's a wonderful time to simply fess up and be honest with God about the struggles that we have, the things we're worried about as we approach the new year, and invite the Lord into the mess. Invite him to share with us in all the ugly stuff. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. 
You know, the first mention of sin in the New Testament is Matthew 121, where the angel tells Joseph about Mary, she will bear a son and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save us from sin. His blood is our scarlet cord. Rahab had a messy life, but the difference maker for Rahab, and it can be the difference maker for us, is she believed in the true God of Israel, who was God over heaven and earth. Faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, outweighs our failures. God's grace turns nobodies into somebodies, zeros into heroes. This time of year we sing, O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. But God also invites, O come all ye sinful, joyless and defeated. You come to Bethlehem too because Christ came for the messy, the doubtful, the hurting, and the broken. A woman like Rahab with a very messy life was part of Jesus' bloodline. Rick actually says, faith in Jesus doesn't mean you can rewrite your past, but it can keep the past from authoring your future. So will you invite the Lord into your mess? That's the first question. Now here's another one for you to think about. Do you have a holiday religion or an everyday faith? Do you have a holiday religion or an everyday faith? Rahab didn't just believe in God. She put her faith into action. She risked her life by protecting the spies and putting the scarlet cord in her window. That was a brave thing to do. She trusted that God would protect her family. Now, I mentioned that she's mentioned three times in the New Testament. She's mentioned... In Hebrews chapter 11, because of her faith. She's mentioned in Matthew chapter 1, because she's in the family tree of Jesus. And Rahab is mentioned in James chapter 2, when it says, Was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? So the point in James chapter 2 is that it wasn't just faith that was in her head. It was faith that was in her life, in her actions, in her activities, in the way she practiced what she believed in her heart. Folks, listen, the Christmas season is great. The food, the songs, the family gatherings, the special church services, all that. But next week, we're going to go back to work and school. I mean, in the real world, we need more than a holiday religion. We need an everyday faith. Holiday religion goes through the motions at Christmas and Easter, but everyday faith affects your life 24-7. Holiday religion will give you a spiritual high a couple times a year, but everyday faith welcomes Jesus into your day-to-day life every day of the year. Holiday religion wears off when you get back into your normal routine, but everyday faith affects how you make decisions, how do you handle your time and money and your relationships with others at home and school and work. Holiday religion we keep to ourselves, but everyday faith we naturally share with our kids and with our friends. As we come to the end of a year and we get ready to go into a new year, I want to challenge you, don't settle for holiday religion. In the new year ahead, Jesus is offering you the opportunity to share with him in the adventure of everyday faith. But Rahab's story raises one more question for us. Here it is. Is there hope In your window. Is there hope in your window? Think about that scarlet colored cord that Rahab tied in her window. That red rope was a symbol of hope 
for her. In fact, it was the best homeowner's insurance policy in the town of Jericho. It was the one thing that kept her safe. She believed that if everything else came crashing down in the town where she lived, God would keep her safe. God would save her. Now, I'm not literally suggesting that you tie a scarlet cord in your window, but I am saying you can't face 2019 without hope in your heart. And you don't have to face next year without hope in your heart if you trust in God. Jesus Christ came to give us hope. He died and rose again. And even though that happened almost 2,000 years ago, it gives us hope as we face 2019. In God's hands, a simple piece of scarlet cord became a sign of Rahab's salvation. Now, honestly, some signs are hard to figure out. I want to show you some examples of ones that I find confusing. I saw these signs along a road in Ohio, and I had to stop and take a picture of it because it was so weird. How can the same road be going south and north at the same time? But this had those signs. Here's another sign from a tire store right near my house. Free air. They really advertise this. Free air. I thought, man, I thought I'd been breathing free air all these years in my life. I didn't know you had to pay for it. And then I went to a restaurant that sells healthy food, and I couldn't stop myself. I had to take a picture of this sign because it just puzzled me. If you look closely, it's advertising this healthy soup called bone broth. Bone broth. Well, that sounds good. You know, I'm sure it's healthy. And if you notice the sign, if you read it real carefully, they offer three kinds of bone broth. There's beef, chicken, and veggie. (laughs) Veggie bone broth. Hmm. All these years I've been breathing air and thinking it's free and somebody's evidently having to pay for it. And all these years I've been eating vegetables, not realizing they have bones. Those signs are confusing, but here's a sign that really makes sense to me. This one is from the prophet Isaiah. It's actually from the Lord. It says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. Now there's a great sign. Because this is from God, the sign of the virgin birth of Jesus, a great sign from God of who Jesus is. Just a couple of weeks ago, a company called Virgin Galactic did a test flight that made big news. It was in the news just a week or two ago, right before Christmas. They were testing a new supersonic space plane that can take private passengers 51 miles up into the atmosphere. Ordinary folks soon will be able to pay a lot of money and travel to the very edge of outer space. But you can't buy a ticket unless you're very rich. But it'll cost hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to fly on this Virgin Galactic special plane. Movie stars are already signing up because they can afford it with hundreds of thousands of dollars to buy a ticket so they can go to the edge of outer space. But did you catch the name of the company that made the plane? Virgin Galactic. It struck me that the real miracle is not that rich people can pay enough money to soar up into the heavens. The real miracle is that God was willing to come down from the heavens to be born of a virgin so that all of us, rich and poor, can soar into the heavens with him. Folks, it's no accident that the cord that Rahab used was scarlet colored. That was a sign of her salvation because scarlet is the color of blood. You might remember on the night of the Passover, wherever the blood of the lamb was sprinkled on the lintel and doorposts of the house, 
The family that lived there was spared from death, and there is still a scarlet-colored cord that saves us. It is the blood of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. I want to tell you one last story before we're done. My kids are all grown up now. I have young grandchildren, but I still remember one thing that happened when my son was a little boy. He was about four years old. And I got him in the back seat of the car on a cold winter day in December. And we went to the, the bank. We were going to do some errands. And Matt got in the back seat. I was driving my old 1970 Ford Maverick. Everybody's dream car. It was all old and beat up, and it had a weak battery. And we came out from the bank, got into the car in the parking lot, and I stuck the ignition key in, tried to turn it, and it just kind of growled at me. And I growled back because I realized the battery wasn't going to be strong enough to start the car. It was very cold outside. My son was sitting in the back seat. I was frustrated, hit my fist on the dashboard of the car. I said, oh, Matt, the car is dead. Well, he started crying. <laughs> he burst into tears. And looking back on that, I think probably to a literal-minded four-year-old, for his dad to say the car is dead, it probably wasn't the best choice of words on my part. I think he thought we were going to have to dig a big hole in the ground there and bury the car right there in the parking lot, you know, because the car was dead. But I wasn't worried. I tried to reassure him. I said, Matt, you know, I've got, I've got jumper cables in the back, in the trunk. I, so I said, Matt, don't worry. Don't know. It's okay. Daddy's going to get out and jump the car and everything will be okay. Then he started laughing. My son did not know what I meant when I said I would jump the car and somehow it would magically make this dead car come back to life again. All he had to do was trust that his father knew what he was doing. And you know what, folks? That's all we need to do as we head into a new year. I don't know everything about how God works. Many times I'm like a little kid tugging on my heavenly father's pants leg. But I do know this. God promises, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. That's because of what Jesus, his son, did for us. So as we head into the new year, is there a scarlet cord called hope in your heart? Are you trusting in the blood of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, our lives are messy, and we invite you into the mess to heal us, forgive us, and strengthen us as we move forward in faith in a new year ahead. Lord, we invite you into every part of our lives, and we do this with gratitude for all you have done for us in the past, which lets us know we can count on you today and tomorrow and forever. Through Christ we pray. Amen.